The truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Hey, bad bitches wanna be my bait. Hey, hold me down like the CIA. Hey, side of my car trying to see my face. Hey, want me to beat it like the CIK. Diligence, politics made simple for the everyday millennial and why you should give a damn. I hope that everybody is doing well in the kingdom. They're blessed and they're being great. I'm doing pretty okay myself. I'm just trying to make it in this thing called life. As we know, it can be a struggle sometimes, but we can do it, folks. We can do it. As always, I like to start my show off with disclaimers. One, I curse. Two, I will mess up the English language. Three, we will disagree, but we can have a space where we can respect each other's views and keep it moving. And hopefully we can, uh, you know, partake in adult beverages and be great. Right. Four. I'm in the kingdom, trying to be great. That is my qualifications of speaking with you today. And five, by the time you listen to this track, things might change. So be mindful when you're listening. Thanks. So what I'm here for this week, it is a list, people. One, I am here for the transitioning of seasons. Fall and winter has to be one of my favorite seasons. Although the older I get, the more I really don't like driving in snow. I am from a state and an area that has snow and driving in it grinds my gears every time. The older I get, I'm not sure that winter is actually becoming my favorite season, but the fall definitely is. It's horrible for allergies, but it's a beautiful season. And with the change of seasons comes transitions and growth, hopefully. I'm here for that. I'm here for growing. And although growth comes with uncomfortable moments, it, it comes with an outcome of beautifulness if it's done right. So I am here for that. And I hope that everybody grows and allows for their transition to take place and transpire in their life. Another thing that I am here for is Aretha Franklin's red shoes at her funeral. Them mugs was highly sharp. I don't care what anybody says. I love those shoes. If I'm gonna die, if I'm gonna be at the pearly gates, I'm gonna come in style. I am going to come in style. So I'm just all the way here for it. Go ahead, Sister Aretha. Y'all, you better have a funeral that takes a whole day in some change. And you better have people stay there the whole entire time. I said the Queen of Soul knows how to go out in style. You gotta love it. You just gotta love it. Ah, yes. 
I'm also here for Ayanna Presley beating out a 10-term incumbent and taking people by surprise in Massachusetts. Ayanna Presley is the first Black woman city council person in Boston. She worked with other Democrats such as Joe Kennedy, John Kerry, and ran a liberal campaign. She made a point to make people look at her identity and basically said, look, I'm a black woman. I'm a black woman in America running for issues such as immigration. I'm running for female rights. I am running for liberal rights. I'm running for religious backgrounds and views. I, If you are different than me, I'm running on sexuality. I'm running for the minority per se. And it worked for her. She ran on minorities having a voice because truthfully in America, we don't have a voice. So it was very interesting to see her lay out her campaign. The intriguing thing about her opponent that was different in other elections such as Andrew Gillum or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was her opponent actually took her seriously. He knew that she was a threat. She, he knew that he needed to take her seriously. He went and campaign hit the ground running where others in those past elections and past primaries didn't take their opponent, their no-name opponent seriously and sat there with the eye-eat-ass face because they lost. Ayanna Presley's team tapped into grassroots organizing to put together their message. One thing to take away, the mass majority of her constituents are minority, but minorities do not come out to vote. So she is playing into the, I'm a political leader that looks like you. And I have been through the same thing as you. I've been there. I've done that. I think the problem with minorities not voting, and I probably much semi went into this the last episode, was we see political leaders that do not look like us. A white man will never know what it feels like to be a black woman, would never know how it feels like if he's not gay. He would never know how it feels like to be a homosexual. He would never know what it feels like to be a transgendered woman, never know what it feels like if he's not Muslim, never know what it feels like to be a Muslim in America. He will not know. For a lot of the constituents out there, especially with Ayanna Presley, they're sick and tired of seeing somebody that doesn't look like them, that doesn't represent them and doesn't know the issues that they face on a day-to-day. And I believe that that's the reason why Bernie Sanders did not get the nomination in 2016. He couldn't connect with the minority community. And that was something that hurt him in the long run. And it hurt Hillary. And when we see ourselves in a candidate we come out and vote. That is pretty much what has happened in the past. And nobody can say that that's not true because you saw that in 2008 and 2012. Because we saw ourselves in a candidate, especially in 2008, because we thought that this person was going to be for us, by us. When we look at Presley and we look at how she's demonstrating her tactics and her moves, it's Almost as identical to 2008. She's doing the exact same thing. 
She's tapping into her constituents and being that face that her constituents want her to be. And this is your time to shine. And I think what is interesting in these primaries are a lot of women, a lot of minorities, a lot of people in the LGBTQ community are tapping into the fact that this is their time to shine. Because at the end of the day, People from all walks of life are here for the change in politics. They do not want the same face to be representing them because they do not know. Times are changing. We are tired of the old ass white man saying what we can and cannot do. Even if the candidate is a white male, but is in his late 20s or 30s, it's more relatable, especially to millennials, than a Senator Beauregard saying that he's been alive since the 1940s. Truth of the matter, millennials are going to surpass the baby boomers. That's just point blank, period. The baby boomers are dying off and the millennials are taking over. Just think about it. When a parent that's a baby boomer is trying to connect with their millennial child. If I have to explain one more time what a dab is or what is stay woke to my father, I may scream. I'm just saying. (laughs) Trying to get my parents to be hip is almost the most frustrating thing ever. Trying to get them to explain certain lingo. Like friend zone? Ugh, child, I'd rather eat grass. It's so, ugh, Lord. I just don't have the patience. But you can see the disconnected generations when you're trying to explain certain things to your parents. We do not want that in the people that we're selecting to lead us into certain political policies or it's a certain political situations we don't and we want that change and um, the difference also in that is we're also demanding our seat at the table which is something interesting now ayana presley isn't in our age group but she's still a younger person she's like 20 something years younger than the incumbent that she beat you can see the faces getting younger and more diverse as this political season is progressing and I think that that is a remarkable thing and I am at all Ayanna Presley I salute you I admire you go girl go so moving on we're gonna talk about Nike unless you have been living under a rock You have heard about Colin Kaepernick's campaign and the Nike advertisement, what have you. It is a picture with Kaepernick in a quote saying, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything, just do it. And people are big mad with a large glass of haterade on the side. Let me tell you, Ah, Nike took a risk and you can place the argument that Nike is capitalizing on this wave of social injustice and they're trying to get their coins and Colin Kaepernick is 
profiting from this and he is trying to get his coins and that's a fair argument to say personally i would have put my faith in a corporation especially in america or any kind of corporation because they're trying to get profit from this they are capitalizing on something that is popular at the moment and they are trying to get their coins however we live in capitalist america and people need their money But I'm just here for the message, regardless of what you may think of the capitalization on this advertisement. I'm here for the message. I'm here for young people looking at something other than the bling and the entertainment and the glorifications of being famous. I'm here for what this message means for younger generations and just for society as a whole because if you look at it Colin Kaepernick did sacrifice his livelihood for the greater cause of what he believed in he believed in social injustice and now that Negro does not have a football career because he took a stance on what he believed in the quote doesn't necessarily have to go towards him. People are so upset that they chose him to be the face of sacrifice and not somebody that's in the military or somebody who fought for our country. And you can be upset and you can be mad. But that quote doesn't necessarily have to go towards Colin. It can go for anybody. It can go for somebody who sacrificed their life for our country such as the military it can go for teachers it can go for activists etc and people are so upset about this and they're not looking beyond the eye they're so mad that they burn in their damn shoes their own shoes so they're boycotting nike it's not like they're burning the store shoes they're burning their own shoes few things one I would never. Y'all got me 360 degrees fucked up. I own two pairs of Nikes and I brought them when I got my first job. And granted, I only paid like $25 for them and $35 for them because I got them on sale because I refused to pay like $150 for some pairs of shoes. I'm sorry, I'm cheap. Sue me, whatever. But I'd be damned if I burn those. Y'all got me messed up and twisted. I cannot. Like, y'all thought this was a game and you thought this was a test. But that's okay. Y'all can have it. Y'all can be blessed. But the thing that irritates me, it's not really irritating. The thing that gets me is you're so upset and your heart is so filled with hatred that That you would go out of your way to destroy shoes, to talk bad about this man, to do everything and go out of your way to just cause destruction just because of the man that is Nike chose for the advertisement. And you know what? You can stay mad. You can be upset. But these people are worried about the wrong shit. That's the thing that gets me. If you're going to be mad about something, can we also be mad at the other things that's fucked up with this world? You're mad about a Nike ad, but we allow for babies to be locked up in cages. We worried about a Nike ad, 
but little children are being molested by quote unquote holy men in a freaking church. We worried about a Nike ad when little boys are committing suicide because they are being bullied in school for the sexual orientation. We are worried about an ad, but children can't eat and get adequate health care because asses want to destroy it and repeal certain affordable health care acts. Fuck off. And you can be mad, you can get some milk, you can go to sleep. Because if you're so worried about that, be worried about the other shit that's wrong. But you don't, because you're filled with so much hatred and cruelty in your heart. Man, I can't. But I'm here for Nike's message. Colin Kaepernick, be great, continue to get your coins, and spread your message across. Because it's something that needs to be done. And people can be mad and get some milk. So that wraps up what I'm here for. If you're here for something, email Civil Diligence. I'll be glad to hear it and share it on the show. So moving on to honestly what the meat of what I want to talk about this week is Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearing so the first day was a circus field day and i was here for every second of it because it was entertaining as all get out so there were protesters left and right people were being mad and upset the protesters included but more so the democratic senators the republicans ignored them it was just a cluster f of craziness and despite all of this he still probably will get nominated. Actually, it's not even a if. It's a when he gets nominated at this point. But the hearing starts off with protesters in the room, around the corner, outside the room, yelling. And like 70 people were arrested. So that's how the hearing started off. Additionally, the Republicans rushed to hear this hearing. And I get it. I honestly do. You want to get your mans in the position now before he doesn't have that open opportunity in November or January or what have you. I get it. I honestly do. So it makes perfect sense to me. But (laughs) moving on from that, Republicans were not willing to release over 100,000 pages of documents when Brett was a clerk for George W. Bush. And the say how shady they are, they released 42,000 pages of documents the day before the hearing started and expected Democrats to read all of it <laughs> in 24 hours. It's funny because they knew they were wrong for that. It's also very comical because they were complaining about the same crap back in 2010 with Obama's pick with Kagan. I just find it interesting what comes around goes around and see it repeating itself. But neither here nor there, my girl Kamala Harris was not here for it and basically tried to tell the committee chair, Senator Chuck Grazley, to say, I don't, we shouldn't, like, can we postpone the hearing? And then another senator chimed in and it was just like a cluster F. And Senator Grazley wasn't bothered 
he continued on like everything was everything and ignored them. Over the course of the four days, you saw the the obvious questions the Democrats were going to ask him, which was, how do you feel about abortion? How do you feel about locking a president up? How do you feel about gun control? So these were things that were pretty much obvious that Democrats were going to ask him. To be perfectly honest, Brady Boy did pretty darn well. I mean, to be expected, he bypassed all the questions about abortion. He was firm on his views on gun control. He definitely bypassed and dodged the questions on whether or not a sitting president should be criminally investigated. He did okay, unless he blatantly said people who participate in abortions were devil worshipers and I'm making sure President Trump doesn't get arrested. Or he pretty much said, fuck the law. He pretty much had this in the bag. Although there were a couple of things that were suspect. And I'll get into that in a few. But overall, he did what he needed to do so the Republican senators could vote him in. Just truth of the matter. The main issue here is he's so much more conservative than his predecessor, Anthony Kennedy. Anthony Kennedy might have been conservative, but he was in the middle when it came to a lot of decisions and issues that the justices heard and made decisions on. Kennedy took a stance and paid attention to precedent in many cases such as abortion. The Bretster has a way of turning the law into his own point of view. And you can see that in many decisions and many dissents that he has put his handle on in the past, whether it was his dissent on gun rights and whether or not it was his views on abortion in the past or how he feels that a sitting president shouldn't have to go through a criminal investigation. So you know already how he's coming to the table. The likelihood of him allowing Trump to walk away from any crimes that may come his way, probably high. Him overturning Roe v. Wade, it's probable, especially since he stated that birth control is an abortion-inducing drug. You already know where he stands on that. If you're for those kinds of things, this is cool, you're happy, you're gleeful, huzzah, great. But it's a little scary. We were born into a life where we had such freedoms. At least all millennials were born with the right that women could choose what she can and cannot do with her body. And again, whether you are for abortion or against abortion, you still had that choice. And now the likelihood of it being threatened, like certain freedoms being threatened, it's a little unsettling, at least for me anyway. And it's scary to see certain rights and see the home that we call America regress instead of progress. It's weird. But one of the more heartfelt moments in the hearing was a Parkland shooter survivor giving her testimony at the hearing. Alea Eastman, 
spoke before the Senate hearing describing her experience during the shooting at her school. The fact that this young girl talked about her experience of hiding behind a student who was already shot is brave. She ended her story with a plea for senators to think about the victims of gun violence as they weigh in on the Kavanaugh decision. Kavanaugh, again, as I stated, he is not removed. He does not hide his strong stance against gun regulations. And the sad thing is the senators will ignore her plea along with the plea of other millions of young people across this nation and put this man who will condone gun violence and condone people not being regulated for guns to sit in the seat for their own motives and their own goals. I am encouraged by the young people who take a stand on political policies and issues and making their voices heard. And regardless of the decision that that has taken place or will take place in the near future, I would encourage you all to not let that silence you. I will encourage you to keep on making your voices heard. Keep on asking and not even asking demand your seat at the mother loving table demand these people to you know what listen to what you have to say and if they don't take their job do something that's worthwhile continue to organize continue to protest continue to run for a higher office because as i've been saying be the change that you want to see and if these old asses won't listen to what you have to say There are ways to get these old asses out because as an American citizen, you have that right to do so. Long story short, the likelihood of Brett being the next justice is high. And I'm very curious to see the next 25 years play out because this dude isn't dying or probably going to retire anytime soon. He will definitely make the next 20 years, at least the next 20 years of this position count for something. My only thing is a note to all the other justices. Can you please not die or retire within the next two to like five years? Thanks. That would be lovely. But either who, please tell me your thoughts on the hearing or what you're here for this week. Let me know if you were surprised by the turnouts of events that has happened within the last four days. Let me know. You can email civildiligence at gmail.com. Follow Civil Diligence on the gram. You can listen to Civil Diligence on SoundCloud and iTunes. And until next time, peace. Bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing, bouncing around, bouncing. Hate supplements are found right in their couches.